0: I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. At this point in Advent, the scripture readings remind us that the day of the Lord is coming, and they encourage us to have patience. And there's a remarkable line that uh, is the foundation for my thoughts this morning in our second reading, where in the midst of waiting for the Lord to come, we need to regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, where this, this, this resting in this condition of patience is, for us who are in this in-between time, a state of salvation, a state of the, the elimination of the barriers between us and God. So patience is salvation, very strong language about patience. Now, I am very aware, as I started to reflect on the virtue of patience, that classic Christian virtue, that it has fallen out of favor in our broader cultural context. Um, And uh, not just, I mean, I could make an easy point about consumerism and not waiting for Christmas and Christmas starting already and so forth, Um, but I I think more deeply uh, that patience has fallen out of favor... Because our primary moral framework in the secular world in which we live is the framework of secular social activism, and um, there's it's it's connected to the Christian language of justice and the coming day of the Lord in a fairly direct line. Uh, You have the prophetic tradition of the Old Testament, and you can draw a line from that prophetic tradition right through the experience of African Americans. Into the language of justice and um, and social transformation, um, and so you have uh, uh, Martin Luther King saying that the uh, the arc of justice is long, but it, the the arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice, and that comes directly out of that prophetic tradition. And with the experience of oppressed peoples like African Americans, um, there came a point in the last century. Where the language of patience was identified as one of the tools uh, that allowed the status quo and those who benefited from it to push off reforms and to be complacent about it. You know, you you know, you're right, you oppressed people, but you're pushing too hard and too fast. You have to be patient for these things to come, and um, and so you had. and I'm, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the name of the author. But there's, a, there's a, this, this particular black activist author wrote a book that, whose title was based on the Serenity Prayer, um, where I no longer have um, the the patience, you know, to to wait for the things. The I, I can no longer accept the things I cannot change. I need to change what I cannot accept, and that becomes sort of a, a, a meme in, post, in contemporary activist circles where, where the joke prayer is, God grant me the power to change what I cannot accept. And there's a, there's a moral urgency there that is unignorable. You, you say that, yes, at some, things, at some level, certain conditions are unbearable and they are unacceptable and we shouldn't accept them. We should strive for change. And this is directly out of our prophetic tradition that teaches us that about the the gap between where God calls us to be and where we are, and so we need to be mindful of that gap and always pressing towards the values of the kingdom. So the modern moral language is, it, you know, springs in almost entirely out of that social activist framework. The discussions of policing and racism and climate change and all the, all the hot moral topics of our age. Um, the the moral high ground is claimed by the activists who have a vision of where we are called to be, which is a true and good vision, and the and the uh, and, and are pressing us to do something now, not to wait, not to fob it off on future generations, but to take moral responsibility now. And this is good and wonderful and right. You know, I'm leading to a but. So here's the but. There's a dark side to contemporary activist conversation and that moral framework in how it's presented. And that dark side is that at the same time as we have widespread acceptance of the moral framework of activism, particularly amongst our younger adults, we have correspondingly high uh, examples of mental illness and a phenomenon that gets called doomers, uh, that you know you have boomers and you have doomers so the baby boomers are one cohort and the millennials are often called doomers because we're doomed we're just doomed everything is going to hell in a handbasket and there's nothing we can do about it so there's a there's a despair and there's, there are corresponding uh, uh, frightening levels of anxiety and, and depression and mental illness. And this, this goes hand in glove with this awareness of how the world ought to be and how it ain't. There's another dark side to the contemporary activist conversation. And that is that um, there's a blindness, or there can be a blindness, and I'm not accusing all activists of this, um, but I, I, I have seen a blindness to the same problems of self-interest and entitlement that have been leveled against the, the beneficiaries of the old status quo, the old Christendom status quo, where it's easy to take moral high ground using the moral terms of your Christendom framework when you're the ones benefiting from it. That's precisely the criticism that, that upended that world and, uh, and undercut the moral authority of Christendom. But those problems are are endemic to any system, any social system, any struggle for social change there is there 's a, a moral legitimacy that that undergirds it. but within that within the dynamics of social movements and the fallibility of human nature, there are always those who find that um, that being an advocate for moral change in fact serves their own interests very neatly. And so the greatest advocates um, are often those whose personal interests um, are served as opposed to those who are doing it out of some uh, sense of disinterested altruism. And so when you have social revolution, you have, a, you, you, you have the unfortunate problem of the cycle where the oppressed rise up, they overthrow the oppressor, and they become the oppressor, creating a new oppressed class who then rise up, overthrow their oppressor. And so we have the cycle of pain and suffering and violence, which is the very condition that we are crying out to be saved from. It's the condition of Advent, where, where the, the kingdom of God still remains in front of us. After every revolution, there's still the need for justice and righteousness. The, the, the problems of human nature remain, just the landscape has changed and the actors have changed. And so from this problematic framework of the, the prophetic mindset that has been adopted by modern activism, um, it's into this context that I want to rediscover the virtue of patience. I would argue that the, the dark side of activ- activism comes from having lifted the prophetic tradition out of Christianity without lifting at the same time the contemplative tradition they took the prophetic without the contemplative and without the contemplative tradition the prophetic tradition is off balance and uh, and and in fact brittle the the prophetic tradition calls us to where god is pointing and where we are not the contemplative tradition points to where god is in the present condition and these two are uh, these two traditions need each other to function well so uh, so uh, pro- prophecy, the prophetic tradition, the activist tradition, without patience, is brittle. It leads to doomerism, that, that you are so uh, infused with the awareness of the way the world is not the way it should be that the, the only place you, you go to in your heart is a place of anger and bitterness and despair and cynicism. But it's brittle like iron. It's hard, but it needs to be tempered. And that's really what I would argue for in terms of the value of that old-fashioned tradition of patience, the the contemplative tradition that says, you know, in God's time, these changes will take place, but not before God's time. And that that patience um, tempers the prophetic tradition. um, And just like you temper iron to turn it into steel, you actually make the prophetic tradition stronger when it is tempered by the contemplative tradition and by the virtue of patience in particular. The virtue of patience has two components, as far as I can tell. And one is the component of acceptance, and the other is the component of hope. You need acceptance and hope in order to be patient. Uh, you can't be patient if you don't accept. If, you, if the only experience of your life is, God, grant me the power to change what I cannot accept, and there are things that you cannot accept, and you don't have the power to change, all you have is a problem that you carry with you 24-7. And so at some level, you need to find a place of acceptance because the alternative is mental distress. And the, the other side, of course, is hope. You can't have patience without hope, and hanging on to the hope of change is the other part of the the spiritual practice, the contemplative practice, which goes hand in glove with the activist tradition of calling the world to be its best self. That we have to, at some level, hope that, that people's moral perceptions are true, that when shown what is good and right and true they, will, they cannot help but recognize it we, we have to hope that at some level humanity is able to recognize the threat of climate change the injustice of racism the problems with policing and all the things that we are talking about we have to hope that there is a general will built into us as human beings to, to move towards that future where these things are not the problems that they are today so we need acceptance and we need hope. And, in, and, and that is the spiritual tradition of patience, in, in teaching ourselves patience, in telling ourselves that things come in God's time and having the hope that God is still at work in the midst of this reality that is often so painful and so discouraging. Um, we, we find that our, our, our desire for the kingdom of God is tempered by patience and is thereby not weaker but stronger. So, patience is not just a tool of the powerful to slow down the activism of the weak. It's a tool of the weak to become strong because it allows us to wait for the right time and thereby become more effective. Activism the call, the prophetic tradition, the call to change towards the values of the kingdom of God is always most powerful when the energy is there at the right time. And so I conclude with the original serenity prayer, which I think gets that balance between the prophetic and the contemplative, the activist and the patient. And, uh, and so we say, God, grant me the serenity, the patience, to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.